Today's episode is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants you to help. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. And just head to omeo.com and use the code LISTENER5 at checkout. Valid until the 30th of June for new users on all modes of transportation. It's just a quick pick-me-up 2021 needs. Omeo. Plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and condition apply. Hello, everyone. You're listening to J Movie Talk, episode 207. As I'll be talking, the movie Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. When's your mom leaving for Australia? Oh, in about an hour and a half. She's leaving you guys all alone. I'm getting rid of her for two whole months. I can go to the beach. I can stay out as late as I want. I can do anything. I'm a free woman. Hello, dear. I'm Mrs. Jurak. I'm a babysitter. What? All right, you little maggots, now line up. Are you serious? I'll make your summer a living hell. Ow! Hey! TV rots your brain. It's time we let her know the rules. Yeah, we outnumber her. Let's kick some butt. Mrs. Sturak. Mrs. Durak? Oh, my God. She died in her sleep. They'll probably blame us. Hey, be careful. I got her. No, I mean my skateboard. Don't tell Mom the babysitter's dead. Rock and roll! Now, Christina Applegate and her brother... What? ...bounce back for a summer with... Have my baby. No rules. In your dreams, babe. No curfews. No nagging. No pulse. Oh, how you doing, Mom? No, Mrs. Durack's not here. She, um, she went to the yarn store. So, what do you guys want for breakfast? Cheese omelet. SpaghettiOs. Breakfast is served. Mow the lawn today and don't forget to do the dishes, okay? Ah! Dishes are done, man. Don't tell Mom the babysitter's dead. And joining me for this episode is first time guest on Movie Talk, but not the first time you're going to be hearing this voice on the TV Zone podcast network. And I'm talking about the one Mr. Gray. Gray, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited to, to talk about this movie. Yeah, well, thank you for, you know, this was the movie that you suggested um, and everything. Or whatnot. Um, but before we actually kind of get talking about the movie, for anyone who's listening to Movie Talk and you know haven't heard you on anything else, just uh, kind of give a backstory about you know yourself and everything. Yeah, sure. I um, I'm also a podcaster. I do a couple of podcasts. One, Kill the Dead, which we're more of an ensemble doing reviews. Post-COVID, hopefully current movies. Currently, we're doing some oldies but goodies. And then I also have a second podcast that I feature me and a guest called Gray Matter, 
where we go over our own theories about movies that we love. So the guests will bring their theory. I will formulate a theory based on a movie that they selected, and then we just have fun with it. Cool. And I'll just add, just as a cheap plug, he's also the host of the Them podcast that's for the TV Zone podcast. So he leads us through those episodes as well. So like I said, it's a cheap plug for that. (laughs) Um, So the movie that we're going to be talking about, as I said in the opener, is uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which, as I told you before we actually started recording that, this is my first time ever watching the movie. So um, when I asked you about, you know, coming on and picking a movie from like a favorite from your childhood, why exactly did you choose this movie? Erie, Indiana. It's a very old children's show that used to come on Fox or Nickelodeon. I don't remember exactly. But on this series... A young actress who I now know as Danielle Harris was featured on this. And I love the episodes that she did so much that once I saw this movie pop up or a trailer for it when I was in the grocery store, like I remember this. They had a little TV in the grocery store, plays the trailer for Don't Tell Mom Babysitter's Dead. And I'm like, oh, I want to see that. It just captivated me. I recognized one person. I knew of Married with Children, Married with Children, which is also a Fox show at the time. So I recognized Kelly Bundy. Definitely didn't know her by name yet. And the premise, I didn't actually get to rent it that day. I, I don't remember if it was just because it was out or if that was the genuine first run of a trailer for a theatrical release. However, a couple of years later, I want to say, I eventually saw Halloween 4. And then circle back to me getting an opportunity to watch this on HBO or Cinemax cable. I finally watched it, loved it, and I probably, anytime it was on, sat down. Like me and my cousin Chrissy uh, stayed at my grandmother's house, off and on, all of my cousins did. But I definitely remember her most summers, isn't it? So we watched all the same things. So it would be like, if I wasn't watching TV and she was watching TV and she's like, hey, it's on, we'd plop down and vice versa. And I guess it just held my attention because I've never seen a reckless amount of kids making (laughs) adult bad and good decisions. Yeah. Okay, so, like I say, since this was my first time watching it, or mm-hmm. whatnot, I kind of got a little bit of big vibes with it gets the job a little bit, you know, because she has to put on that facade of being an adult, even though she's she's a teenager, but she's still a child, basically. So, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of got that little bit of a vibe kind of i agree i don't i don't think i've ever thought of that previously but yes you saying this today i agree okay but um so 
um, once again, before we get to actually talking about the movie, I always kind of go through the synopsis, the cast, and going to talk about the director because this director, even though wasn't familiar with his name, but familiar with quite a few of his films. So the movie, uh, the synopsis here that's on IMDb is basically five siblings are left alone all summer when their mom leaves town and the evil babysitter bites the dust. So, okay, that premise, for the most part, is true. Mm-hmm. But the babysitter part of this becomes a non-factor in the movie. Which is like, hmm. So, that 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 was kind of... Because, I mean, the title is called Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter Dead, but, I mean, after she actually dies... Basically, forget about her. That is true. Like, I can't, I can't think offhand. I know one time, mom calls Kenny, and Kenny asks, or mom asks about the babysitter, and he makes up some excuse, and then mom asks it like right before the end credits roll, and that's it. Yeah. Like no one really cared. Like this old woman dies, they take her to this mortuary in a trunk, leave a note. You know, died of natural causes, and yeah, that's pretty much it. It's not even a. It's like, hmm, that was kind of interesting. But I did see some trivia where, like, there was supposed to be more of a plot revolved around the kids were supposed to be more like suspects, you know, about killing the woman, and they all were supposed to have like kind of motives of like possibly killing her, but they dropped all that. I guess to make it a little bit more lighthearted, because for the most part, this is a lighthearted movie. Uh huh. So, yeah, I guess I guess the original concept was a little darker <laughs> when these kids basically, you know, being suspects and killing this woman when they didn't kill her. It's just she was old and she died. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, the movie is stars um, Christina Applegate in her first actual lead role you know um or whatnot as swell or as her given name sue ellen i mean because i was like why is her name swell like what the hell but anyway um <laughs> we have uh joanna cassidy as rose john gets as gus josh charles as brian keith coogan as kenny conchita tomei no re- relation to marissa tomei as the mom David Duchovny as Bruce, Kimmy Robinson as Kathy, Jane Brooke as Carolyn, Ida Rise Marin, I believe, as Mrs. Stork, uh, Robert Hay or High, however that's considered since it's H-Y, as Walter, Danielle Harris as Melissa, and Christopher, I think it's Parrot, as Zach. Those are your main cast of characters. And the movie was directed by Stephen Herrick. And probably like, who the heck is Stephen Herrick? Well, I'm pretty sure between you and me, Gray, that we've seen quite a bit of his movies. So just to kind of go through some of the movies that he also directed besides this, his first film that he directed was The Original Critters Mm -hmm. in 1986. He directed Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure. 
He directed The Mighty Ducks, The Three Musketeers, Mr. Holland Opus, 101 Dalmatians, Holy Man, Rockstar. Uh, let's see what else here. Man of the House uh, with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Not the first uh, Into the Blue, but the second one, which, eh. Uh, and then he kind of started getting into more TV stuff here in recent, and he's been a part of the TV series, the new re- revamped version of uh, MacGyver here in recent years, or whatnot. So, some of these movies, I'm pretty sure you've seen. Uh, yeah, I've seen all of them except for Holy Man. That doesn't even sound familiar, but sadly, I've seen Into the Blue too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, he, he's now like that, the Tim Burton I never knew I had. Like, I want to say I had this epiphany maybe three, five years ago, where I realized most of Tim Burton's one of my favorite directors. Most of everything I was watching as a child was something that he was directing. And I never knew that. I wasn't like tracking names at that point. But then it was like I had a thought about it and I was like, oh, Tim Burton directed this. Oh, Tim Burton directed this. I remember going to like, not the world premiere, but in my mind, the world premiere of Batman. My uncle took me. It was a midnight showing. I couldn't. I saw Jack Nicholson once on the screen before I passed out. But my little heart was content. <laughs> but now I consider this or Steve, Steven. I don't know if he goes by Steve. Uh, my new Tim Burton. Yeah, because when when I looked him up, I was like, I've seen the majority of these movies. I haven't seen Holy Man either. Holy Man is the movie with uh, Eddie Murphy and and where he's playing like a like a guru or something. What that is that oh. was one of it was it was doing that phase of uh, Eddie Murphy's career that you try to forget. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't see that. So yeah, I mean. Great cast though, but yeah, but the movie overall just from what I heard it was wasn't that great. Um, but yeah, he like I said, I'm like, wow, he directed like a lot of movies that I've seen. And like and I agree with like what you said also, like he someone, you know, back at the time, especially when you're a kid, you're not tracking directors' names, like I don't know who this person is. I mean, outside of somebody like a Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, you know, people like that. He, you didn't know who the hell a certain director was. Like, you just know the movie and everything. So, but yeah, I did think that was kind of interesting that he directed quite a few movies that I've seen as a child. And or some of my favorites, actually. So, okay, so the movie, it kind of kicks off with uh, the whole premise of, you know, the setup for the movie, basically. Of the mom, she's getting ready to go to Australia with her boyfriend who we never see and she's going to be leaving these wild kids home you know for the summer for two months and everything and i mean we're introduced to all of them and it's like yeah these kids definitely need some supervision um or whatnot because i'll put it like this if there was no adult supervision around there probably wouldn't even have been a house <laughs> you know, whatnot. I've been burned to the ground. Um, but just like, what do you think? Of, like, how the movie opens with kind of getting to know 
each of the characters in a way. I think it's a very, looking at it with today's lens, it is a very late 80s, early 90s, stereotypical, this is what a dysfunctional family looks like. Uh, that being said, there was one thing that hit different this time. Is when Sue Ellen's mom says, I've been dealing with this for 37 years and now I need a break. And I was like, wait, hold up. She's 37? <laughs> yes. She's got five kids. Starts pumping them out at minimum 20 because Sue Ellen's 17. And then she was able to do whatever in life to afford this house on property and get a divorce, I assume, and still cart around the country with her boyfriend. Which I do explain he paid for it, but it still doesn't explain the house. Or the yeah. Um, however, I still like the bit of individual character you get from all the people. I thought that in hindsight, because I know he has since passed, um, I forget his name, or I remember his real name, Christopher. Zach. Mm -hmm. Him being like a little klepto, Walters definitely has a thing of like, he's not the normal kid that wants to go play out of sight. He's like in his pajamas the whole time. Like no one, I mean, everyone's dressed, but he's the only one like, he has no agenda for the day. I'm not, mm -mm. As we later find out, he is a bit of a couch potato. And then Danielle Harris, Harris character, Melissa, I don't remember what I thought as a kid, but as an adult now, she's definitely the tomboy of the family. Mm -hmm. She likes being different, and that's how she fits into the family. Like, they all have a little something that's off. I don't understand Sue Ellen's, like, or Swell's. Like, she thinks she's entitled to this great summer going to Europe and all these other things. Like, I wish I knew or they explained what the father does. To where she thinks that's possible. When I graduated, I was never thinking I get to go to another country. I think I was able to save up three, four hundred dollars to go to Beach Week, and then that was it. But I like yeah. to know this. Yeah, I mean, it it was it was cool. Like like you said, it, to get to know each one of them, and they all have their own individual personality, which was a good thing. So. It separated them, but you could you could almost get the sense like if this was real life, like yeah, this would be a family, like or whatnot. Because in certain like moments or whatnot, some of them actually do look like they could actually be related. <laughs> so it's like um, yeah. okay, and then of course, I mean Kenny, he's I guess he's in that phase of like I'm just this rebellious teenager. You know what not um I, all I want to do is like smoke and get you know get high with my friends do nothing got the long you know rock star hair he's basically I want to say he, him and his friends could easily probably been like a alt world Allison Chains type group <laughs> or something <laughs> or whatnot because that's that's the vibe I got for them and everything but um. I remember since you brought up his hair, my grandmother or my mother saying, I said, why is his hair so silly? 
and they were something to the fact that they put a stupid wig on him. And I, yeah. I never knew what a wig was. Like, <laughs> blew my mind. I was like, what's on him? Like, I'm looking at him. I don't know a wig is supposed to be on your head. Like, I'm just examining him, trying to figure out what a wig is, because I don't want to seem dumb or I shouldn't be watching this movie because I don't know it a big kid term or, or whatever. Uh, and I remember that blowing my mind of, of the thought of fake hair was just not a thing for me. Yeah. So, okay. So here's the thing. He, in real life, he was actually, he's actually older than uh, Christina Applegate. But I think like uh, a year, a year or two or whatnot. So when he first auditioned, they was like, yeah, you're too old to play Kenny, who's supposed, who's 15. So he's supposed to be playing two years younger than uh, Swell, even though in real life he was two years older. So he gets turned down. He comes back dressed, you know, like a like a teenager, like how his character is in the movie. And I was like, eh, okay, yeah, that works. <laughs> so that's how you end up getting the, yeah, that's how you end up getting the part. Yeah, because of that. So that's yeah, I thought that was cool. Make make people realize your dream or realize your dream for people. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But what's what's weird about that? They say that he was too old to play fifteen year old Kenny. So he's twenty, but he's too old to play fifteen. But Judd Nelson in the Breakfast Club was almost thirty, but he was old enough to play to play oh. Bender. I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Whatever. <laughs> um, I, look, it, once I found that out, I, I never, anytime I watch The Breakfast Club, I always think about the fact that he's almost 30 kissing a 16-year-old girl on camera. So, yeah. Oh, anyway. a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things. Like, once you, once you, once you notice it, it's like, you, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Time. So the mom, she, you know, she basically saying her goodbyes to everybody, but they're all like, yeah, we can't wait for you to leave, really, because we're tired of you. We're going to be free from you and everything. <laughs> but they find out they're not going to be alone because this car pulls up. And at first I wanted, I don't know, maybe because since I'm such a horror fan myself, when she pulls up and gets out of the car, I wanted the car to her to kind of move around and have to kind of stand in front of the house similar to when Father Marin shows up in the exorcist outside the house. <laughs> I don't know why I wanted that that shot, but we don't get it. But yeah, um, Mrs. Sturk, she shows up and at first she seems like a nice old lady or whatnot, even though she has a cane. But it's like, this old woman should not be babysitting these kids because she doesn't look like she can handle them. But when the mom finally leaves, she turns into freaking drill sergeant and just starts like bossing them around, putting them on a time schedule and everything like that. What do you think of like how like that character switch with her? As a child, I was terrified of older people because I just thought anyone could turn on me like that. Like anytime we, I was told I was getting a babysitter or a sitter was coming, like that's who I thought was coming through the door for my preteen years. 
I was just always worried if it was going to be an old person because they were going to be mean to me and do things to me. Uh, however, as an adult, I wonder the actual logistics of how is she really going to manage five kids? If they said no, what was she going to do? Like, for <laughs> real. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they ever give a real cause of death, but obviously she didn't make it the night. <laughs> Well, natural causes. Yeah. Maybe it was a panic attack. She was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week. <laughs> I got to be with these kids for two months. Yeah. yeah. Or, or from what she saw in Kenny's room, because she looked like she was about to have a heart attack right there. So. True. I don't know who was the designer of that room, but I guess they were just like, let's throw anything in here. Because, like, you have Guns N' Roses posters and a Saw Megadeth poster. And then you have a Confederate flag. But then he, like, is an audiophile and has a record player. So, like, y'all just, like, anything a kid touches, you just put in this room. The nudie poster. What mother would let a child have a, a 15-year-old child have a poster of a topless woman hanging up? Uh, I mean... Look at Martin Lawrence's character in House Party. He wow. had, yeah, he had a whole wall full of beat of a Jet Magazine <laughs> uh, models of the week that filled the whole wall. So that is true. Yeah, I, all right. Maybe parenting was different back then, or <laughs> Hollywood's interpretation of parenting was different back then. Uh, yeah, or maybe 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 the guys who you know did the design for the room. Maybe it was like a couple of people. And it's like, oh well, this is what I had in my room. Oh, this is what I had. So it's like, oh, let's just throw all of it in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably more accurate. When yeah, the room was full of stuff we had. Yeah, like I never had a room like this. It's like, shoot, yeah, I might have some a poster here, a poster there, a bunch of movies all over the place, but never nothing that looked like that. Um, so yeah, like we said, she, you know, the movie's setting up for her to kind of be this, you know, evil babysitter, like the synopsis is, but you know, things don't, doesn't go like that because after the kids are kind of, you know, they're already tired of the fact that she's bossing them around, putting them on a schedule, making them wear name tags. Cause she don't remember names and everything. Yeah. So they all, you know, go to, um, swell or whatnot and she's like all right fine i'll go talk to her she goes to where she's in the room sitting in the chair she's starting to talk and then she's like mrs stark mrs stark well she falls over she's dead how long she's been dead who knows maybe an hour or so or something like that but they all kind of freak out babysitter's dead what do we do and i thought it was funny the fact that they wrap her up in a i want to say a blanket Maybe, mm-hmm. and put her on a skateboard <laughs> to roll her out of the out of the house. It's like what? It's like it's five. I mean, granted, I mean a few of you were kind of small, but I'm like Kenny. He's 15. He he should have had some type of you know muscle about it where he could have you know lifted or at least you know and maybe Zach a little bit. And uh, Swell, they could have did the heavy lifting, I would assume, but nope, let's just put on the skateboard and roll out of here. <laughs> and 
that wasn't even the worst part. The fact that they put her in a trunk mm-hmm. and then they drive her to a mortuary and leave her on the steps in a trunk that says old lady inside died of natural causes. No, we're sorry. Yes, we're sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what? And these guys, they just come out like, oh, okay, well. You know, they, they they don't call the police or anything. It's like, in a situation like that, if if a random body just shows up, at a, even though it's a mortuary, but still, you think like, who the hell would put somebody in a trunk and deliver them to a mortuary? Precisely, because like, even still, you have to identify a body you have to figure out if they die of natural causes. Like, police work needs to be done. And it's very strange that it was kind of, like, normalized that all these miners figured out this is where you dump a dead body. With no <laughs> reasons. And, okay, so a little bit more trivia as we're going on here is the fact that I guess this is where... A still somewhat of the original concept of the movie was supposed to was still in the movie that part with them doing that and I think the the morticians or whatnot guys they were supposed to call the police and then that's how this investigation was supposed to go on and the kids was going to be you know looked at as suspects but since that whole plot kind of got dropped so there's like remnants of the original concept of the movie still in it so it's almost like it doesn't make sense with the movie that we get even though they kind of leave <clears throat> certain stuff from the original story in the movie mm-hmm. so um so yeah after that they just kind of decide to go on with their regular life like nothing really <laughs> like nothing really happened itself for the fact that they need money and you know because they need food so they they realized that, well, mom gave Mrs. Stewart the money that for us. Where's the money? Well, maybe she had it all on him, as one of them said. So they kind of freak out. And it's like, well, we can't just go to the you know mortuary. To, like, yeah, the old lady that got dropped off. Yeah, she has our money. So <laughs> I thought it was funny how they decided to do this, where they don't even have a quarter. That's that's just like how I guess broke the kids are that they don't even have a quarter. Right. They just they decide to flip a pizza box to decide who's gonna get a job between Swell and Kenny. And since it lands top up, Swell has to get a job. And Gray, where exactly did she get her first job? I wanna say it was Hot diggity dog? <laughs> Close. Close. Corn clown dog. Oh yes. Clown dog. Yeah, because the the dog truck, every time it was driving, all I could think was Afro Circus. Like, <laughs> Chris Rock is just in my head. So so I mean like this this place, I feel like there could have been like a subplot with just revolving around this place because that guy who clearly looked like Daniel Stern, um, he huh. <laughs> he seemed to be too 
too nice and I kind of got like creepy vibes from him. Like I think there was a little bit more to that character that they just dropped because she doesn't spend what one one day I think at this place. But, yeah, but she meets Brian, uh, played by Josh Charles. She meets him. And he kind of basically, she's not happy with what she's doing. And he was like, well, why don't you just quit? <laughs> so that's what she ends up doing. And she's like, before she leaves, she's like, well, you know what? I might see you around, you know, foreshadowing, I guess. Um, But I did want to ask you, like, overall, what did you think of Christina Applegate's performance in this movie? In the movie overall, it yeah. really... I mean, for her first leading role, I thought it's great. Her as Swell is really believable as well as, well, yeah, her as Swell is believable. The premise in some of these things are not obviously good. Even the fact that she works at Clown Dog, but they make burgers. I think that was like the one thing she did when she was there was just cook burgers. So I was like, people don't really think this part out. (laughs) That's just picking, splitting hairs, you know. However, her journey at, into early adulthood, <laughs> I, I was vested in as a, as a person. Like, I don't think I would watch a Kelly Bundy full movie, right? Yeah. Like, if Fox had given her her own standoff as Kelly, I I don't want to watch that. Not that she did a horrible job on Married with Children. Obviously, it's an iconic show. The characters are iconic. However, there wasn't much to that character other than look good and say bimbo type things with no remorse. show like that probably couldn't fly right now. Oh, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's probably how it got on Fox as well. I I know Fox, even when I was younger, was known for running the more riskier things, such as in Living Color. Yeah, I mean, and that that show doesn't get talked about like it should but I think we know why yeah definitely Daniel Harris actually did an episode I only saw it on IMDb I don't know the episode offhand I assume she has to be one of the children around Homie the Clown but I look forward to going back and finding that now but yes I think she did a very Good job in this film as a leading woman. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, because I was, you know, I was actually impressed with her in this movie. Um, like like you said, looking at her as Kelly Bundy, and then looking at her in this, it, it did show like, hey, she actually can act. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, anybody. For the lack of saying, you know, anybody could have played the Kelly role. I mean, look at that. I forgot the. I think it's. I forget. I always forget the name of the show, but I know Nikki Cox was on it. It was like a Married with Children ripoff, and they had the fluffy oh. bunny, whatever the hell that thing was. Was the short guy's name Greg, or was it Greg the Bunny? I I, I can't remember. All I know is Bobcat go with uh, did the voice. <laughs> That's all I yeah. know. But the like that show i mean it was a ripoff of you know married with children and the fact that 
you know, Nikki Cox basically is playing like the Kelly Bundy role. It just showed like, yeah, someone, you know, a good looking woman in that role is it's not much. There, there's not much else to it than what's on the paper or whatnot. And that's what you get with Kelly um, and everything. But as far as like seeing Christina Applegate on there and then watching her here and later on in the movie when she, you know, goes and works for Rose and, you know, she she shows like, yeah, she has some range and everything. Even when she becomes like mom, you know, <laughs> and the kids even start referring to her as mom. Yeah. And everything. Or whatnot. And I thought it was interesting too that she actually gained 17 pounds for this movie. It's like, hmm. really? Yeah. Yeah, just, just to, I guess, appear older, I guess. Because she's, I mean, she's 17, but she's pretending to be like 27, 28. So. I, I can see that. I would. I would just assume people would do costuming, but I guess Kelly Bundy is a was a tinier petite teenager, if you will. I don't whatever the safe words are to describe teenagers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she was she was a little you know slim, her petite, if you will. Um, especially around this time, we're talking talking ninety ninety one. You know, and everything, because the show at that point on had been on for what four or five years, I think, because it started '87, so about four, yeah, about four years. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's so the so, fact that she's eighteen, eighteen in real life. So, so, so she started when she was like fourteen. When the show started, she was 14 and everything. Okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, but as far as her, you know, gaining the weight, like I say, that once again, that's her being a method actor in a way. I mean, it's not Robert De Niro in Raging Bull, but it's, yeah. you know, it's still her kind of committing to this role type of thing. So, and she was very believable, you know, in this movie. And I always kind of wondered, like, I wonder why she didn't get more like roles and everything. Cause this, this proved like, yeah, she could be more than just Kelly Bundy. So I always thought that was interesting. Do you think it was just more people couldn't see her as an adult? <sighs> it's, it's possible because well, that and I mean the the route they go with her character on marriage because I mean of course when she first starts on the show she's she's a kid so they're not sexualizing her but once we hit like I guess like once you get to eighteen you know that character switches until she's just this you know video vixen I mean sex pot type character. And everything that they the route they go with it, and I mean, looking back at it now, it's like the producers of that show were, were really kind of, <laughs> for the yeah. lack of a better word, perverted. <laughs> I, I just say it like that. But and it's kind of crazy that Megan Markle's dad worked on Married with Children, so that says a lot. 
But um, yeah, yeah, Thomas Markle. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I knew of him from when they did that um, documentary um, about Married with Children, talking about like how to show the behind the scenes stuff of the show, and he they talked to him about it and everything. And this was because this was years ago, but I knew of who he was before I knew who she was. And then, right. like, wait a minute, he's her dad? Like, what? Like, okay, but yeah, but um, but yeah, I was just kind of was just thrown off a little bit just thinking about this movie. Like, I wonder why she didn't get more roles. Maybe it's because they can only see her as that Kelly Bundy. She got stereotyped in a way. Um, or whatnot. I I think so. The only thing I remember seeing her in, and it's not even a closer leading role during the '90s that I remember, is Mars Attacks, another Tim Burton film. Yeah, but I mean, but who wasn't in Mars Attacks? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's like that's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't like a role role. <laughs> like, but that's my only other '90s memory of her, unless uh, you know, old age is just set in hard. I forgot she was in. Yeah, she wasn't Wild Bill. I always forget about that. And that that's kind of a almost a nothing role also. I have Actually, not seen Wild Wild Bill. I mean, it, it's a western, but it's I mean Jeff Bridges plays Wild Bill Hickok and it just kind of focuses on his last days in Deadwood before he gets killed by Jack McCall, played by David Arquette of all people. Huh. Uh that explains it. I almost, ex- no, not almost. I don't watch westerns unless someone shows me a movie. I don't seek them out myself. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I'm a huge western fan, but at the same time, I can I can understand why a lot of people don't like westerns. And it's always a shocker to people when I say, "Yeah, I like westerns." My favorite movie of all time is actually a western. But, um. Once Upon a Time in the West by uh, directed by Sergio Leone. It's my favorite movie of all time. So um she was also in the big hit with Mark Wahlberg. And that's ninety eight. Oh, she was also in Mafia, the the comedy like spoof of uh, the Godfather with Lloyd Bridges. She was in that too. Vaguely remember that. <laughs> but this is what was funny about it. this is after Married Children has ended because Married Children ended in 97. So now we're into 98. And that's the type of role she's getting? Yeah. Because that's so, a film, right? Like 100% yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she's in the big hit and Mafia in 98. Then she had another TV series, Jesse, which ran from 98 to 2000. I uh, never watched that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I mean, she and then the sweetest thing comes in two thousand two. But I remember watching that because of Cruel Intentions. <laughs> Before the internet, that's how I watched movies. I was like, oh, I've seen you in something else. And that was it. And then she does Anchorman in two thousand four. And but yeah, but really, then she kind of becomes hit or miss. I know she had the whole, you know, breast cancer thing or whatnot. 
because that was during the time when she had her other show, Samantha Who. Yes. And then she shows up in Hall Pass in 2011. Um, but yeah, but for the most part, her, yeah, her filmography is kind of, it's kind of sketchy. <laughs> we, we think about it. Yeah, I don't remember in real time if the breast cancer was around Samantha Who, but I remember watching that show. Like I've definitely seen a whole season of it, so I know it didn't get canceled right away. No, because it was what two, two seasons, two or three seasons. Okay. Yeah, it was. How many seasons officially? Yep, two seasons. So, oh, okay. But yeah, her, but overall, her her filmography is a little sketchy. But I'm like, did no one, you know, see her in this movie to say, hey, she could do more? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, like she's capable of range and not just. Uh, one-liners and sexualized jokes. No, yeah. because I mean, even in 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 well, Hall Pass, it kind of gives her a little bit more range because she's not playing, you know, like this sexualized character. She's a, you know, she's a soccer mom at this point. Yeah, and she ends up making a bad decision in that that ends up getting her nose broke and everything, and and Jason Sudeikis freaking out. Cause I just want to spy my wife, you know. <laughs> that movie is a lot better than I thought it was going to be, too. So, oh no. But anyway, uh, back to this movie. So, Swell, she she writes this. She comes up with a fake resume, and it's like there's no way in hell this would fly in real life. Or basically, you get a resume book. It's like, no, I'm just going to copy and paste, basically, what I see in this book and put it on my resume. And I'm just going to show up at this place and apply for a receptionist job. But your qualifications are too qualified for this job. Um, just just what do you think about how <laughs> this whole thing plays out of her trying to be a receptionist? I assume I assume it was just like a tongue in cheek look at how children's mentalities are of like cheating on a test, getting the answers, but not actually knowing what you're doing. And her resume was like that, like as we see she's overqualified for the position. However, skipping ahead, at the end of the movie, she says she never knew what an executive uh administrative assistant does so i don't know what her goal was in creating that recipe or recipe geez, resume because it's you you didn't know what you're applying for so but you were willing to do anything like suppose she went to a glue factory oh. <sighs> yeah but it, it, it was kind of like you know what only well i'll put it like this and it, I, I, I'll just say this: if if she was if she was not white and she showed up at this place trying trying to get this job, she might have got thrown out. But sure. the fact that she looked like how she looked, and she just conveniently meets the boss, who 
glances over her resume and just sees like, oh, oh, you know, oh, well, you, you don't need a receptionist job. Well, you know, don't you have, even though technically this receptionist that we have now, Carolyn, is supposed to become my assistant. But you know what? You're more qualified than her. And if anybody asks you, I hired from the outside. <laughs> and it's like, what? Which like, I thought would be obvious. I don't know what I thought as a kid. But yeah, of course you hired from the outside because she doesn't work there yet. Exactly. So, I never understood that line. Like, it was like, huh? Like, wait a minute. Yeah, you, you're coming there. She's just showing up to try to get a job. So clearly she doesn't work for, for you guys. But I don't know. Joanna Cassidy in this movie. Okay, so anytime I, I see her or whatnot, I always think of her character from Blade Runner when she tries to kill Harrison Ford, strangle him with his own tie, and then he ends up shooting her down in the street or whatnot. But <clears throat> anytime I see her, I always think of that character. And I was waiting for, for her to kind of go like into that mode in this movie. But she doesn't. She's she, she she comes across like too nice in this. I don't know if you like caught that or what. Like she just seems too nice in this movie as Rose. Yeah, she's very yeah bubbly, right? For an, a high powered executive of a company, especially in like fashion. That I mean, that that's what they're dealing with. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe Meryl Streep has kind of ruined it. You know, <laughs> because it's like you know Meryl Streep and uh, the Devil Wears Prada. She you know she she's like like just has this you know a way about her, and she doesn't take no crap from people. Whereas Rose here, she's like too nice, too trusting, and you know I don't know. It was, it was weird. Like how that character was portrayed. So, and also, now I know, but at the time I was still brand new to it as I talked about Kenny, she's wearing a wig too. And I oh, know yeah. that's supposed to be her character's choice, or like someone in makeup was like, you need this red wig. You know, so I want to say that was her choice because. Through like a lot of her career, she she did wear wigs because she always kept her hair kind of short. And I I, I, I want to say Blade Runner is like maybe one of the only movies that she actually wore her own hair or whatnot. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like she she always kind of had it a little shorter. I mean, it's not like short short, but. Is not that long, and you can tell that she's wearing a wig. It's like it's the Halloween two thing. Once is once you know it's a wig, <laughs> you know you know it's a wig. So, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe her and Kenny was uh, switching wigs or something. I don't know, but but yeah, I just I, I felt I found her character. It was like there was something off with her character, and even. Like the relationship she had with Gus. I mean, John Getz. John Getz always plays like a, like a douchebag or yeah. whatnot in anything that he sees. Even, 
even when he's technically the good guy in Blood Simple, he's still kind of a skeevy type character. So, and in this, he's definitely like a like a sleaze or whatnot. And why she's interested in him, I have no idea. But even when when Rose finds out like certain things about him, she just kind of brushes it off. It's like I don't know. Very some of the decisions they they made with her character just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know the '90s version of inner office romances with a subordinate, but I have to imagine that's frowned upon. So like, why is no one saying anything about her dating or trying to date someone beneath her? Uh, I, don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like I said, this this place was. It was weird, but I guess they were trying to make it very lighthearted. I think they, I think they went too lighthearted with whatever the. I would love to have read the, like the original script because it makes me wonder was was any of this stuff even really in the original script? You know, so I would not because. Even like when you see the office, it's clearly a set. I, I want to say even when you see Sue Ellen, like the the cityscape behind her looks pixelated. <laughs> they just printed up the best they could, and they're like, "No one will ever know." 4K doesn't exist yet, <laughs> right? <laughs> but watching it on a bigger screen, it's like, no, it's definitely just a printed poster. So yeah, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, like, yeah, was this even was any of this even in the original script? And they just okay, well let's rewrite it. And then whoever did the rewrite, they just kind of I want to say tried to make it just a little too cookie cutter, maybe. So yeah, it's a weird balance of like dark comedy, but wholesome at the same time yeah i'm sh- i've never read it but i'm sure siskel and niebert would not have rated this movie fondly Stone <laughs> not out there if anyone has the archive in their basement <laughs> let me know so okay so so speaking of something else this that I kind of noticed watching this or whatnot. Once Sue Ellen has been working at this place, and since she's not at home to watch the kids, Kenny actually has to take more of a, you know, a role in everything. And it's funny how he, he starts having an interest in cooking by watching Julia Child, <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a minute, what the hell? So through the process of that, he learns how to cook. And just the dynamic that kind of comes out of, you know, Sue Ellen being, you know, the the working mom. And then Kenny's like the stay-at-home dad. And, and their interaction almost becomes like husband and wife, but not brother and sister. Right. And they, they do have that moment towards the end where it's definitely portraying that dynamic of I'm at work all day. What do you do but stay home and 
you're complaining about cleaning the house. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, did they realize that they kind of did this? Like, it, it, it really, like, goes into that of where if you didn't know any better, you really would swear that they were, yeah. <laughs> like, they was a married couple. You're like, is this scene supposed to have sexual tension? Because <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yes. Because I was waiting for them to, like, uh, just come over here and kiss me already. You know, like, like wait a minute, this would have been a completely different movie if it did that. But, uh, but yeah, I was, getting, I was getting that vibe. I felt like it's, it's crazy, but I felt like Christina Applegate and Keith Coogan had a little bit more chemistry than Christina Applegate and Josh Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm like, hmm. That's, that's kind of weird because Brian is supposed to be her love interest and everything, but the guy that's playing her brother seems more like he could have been more of her love interest than the guy that's playing the love interest. So, I just thought that was kind of weird. Um, well, do you think... And this is just going above and beyond, but... Movies are traditionally not shot in order. And maybe the changes came at a certain point and they didn't know they were brother and sister yet. Maybe he was playing <laughs> in that scene. <laughs> is 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 possible. It, that's definitely possible. What if they did so what if what if <laughs> what if Kenny was originally supposed to to be the love interest? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, I think that that could be how you got that scene. Because who's watching that and saying, "Hey, I want to see a brother and sister go through this dynamic," right? <laughs> or just that we grew up in the time that we did, to where we can't fathom such a situation happening. So okay, so maybe it's a maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe, yeah. But I don't know. That just that just was just kind of awkward to me. Um. So, okay. So I have to get your opinion on seeing David Duchovny in this role of Bruce, who is definitely not Fox Mulder. Like, um, <laughs> what do you think about him in this movie? I, as a kid didn't like him. I will commonly or now call him a douchebag. But the thing that I like, he, he made me realize how much I like Sue Ellen as far as like their first interaction when he's interrupting her and while she's talking to Kenny and kind of having like a fit and then she like a title checks him. Who are you? What do you do? Okay, my title's bigger than yours. So go away and I'll let you know when I'm ready to deal with you. I love that scene. Even as a kid, I love that scene because I was just like, "Oh, she, she's she's cool. She's calling the shots." I have no idea at the time what shots are. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right? I was like, but a seventeen-year-old child tricked you and commanded respect all at the same time. Yeah. And but well, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know if this led to him getting the X-Files job. It's far different. 
Well, I don't know if it was this or Twin Peaks. Because he was on Twin Peaks before this. Which oh, was. I didn't know the order of that, but I forgot he was on Twin Peaks as well. And the uh, receptionist. Brian's sister. Yep. She, well, but no, uh, no, uh, no, um, Kathy, um, Kimmy Robinson, she was on Twin Peaks. Because she played a receptionist on Twin Peaks for the for the sheriff. Oh, she's the um, she's the girl that does the uh, I want the report, right? Yep. I was gonna say TPS report, but that's office space. <laughs> ah, well, well, there was no staplers being stolen here, but kind of, sort of similar. Oh, <laughs> but. But yeah, so yeah, you got two people from Twin Peaks here. Hmm, interesting. Um, but yeah, it is kind of funny on that show he plays a a transgender. So it was easier to display his acting ability because we, I mean, when you think about people, kind of forget X Files for what it is for as great of a show it was. It was somewhat of a ripoff of Twin Peaks with like in regards to like the the Dale Cooper character, the FBI agent, because that's who Fox Mode is basically like the Dale Cooper character. And then you bring in, you know, uh, Scully, you know, as his partner. But but that Fox Mode character is clearly modeled after (laughs) Dale Cooper. And the fact that he was on that show, it's like, hmm. That that's what I always felt like how he got X Files or whatnot, but the fact that he shows up in this around the same time that X Files is like kind of getting started playing this, he's not a he's not a great dude. But it was funny about it is that because we find out that him and Carolyn, the receptionist, have a you know they're in a relationship and everything, and even when Carolyn, because she's so pissed off at the fact that. Who is this girl who basically stole my job? You know, <laughs> and, everything. and she's trying to get dirt on her. And even even Bruce tells her, like, you know, it doesn't matter what you find out. Rose isn't going to she's not going to get upset yeah. about it, <laughs> you know, which is true. She never even though she she does, you know, find out like. She's actually 17. She's faking who she is. Her resume is not what she said it was. Rose didn't care. Because <laughs> Rose just didn't like you. That was the whole point. Yeah. Yes. It's like she it's like she completely missed that. It's like if if that job was meant for you, no one would have came in, but Rose would have hired the freaking janitor probably before she she, she took Carolyn because she just didn't like Carolyn. And Carolyn couldn't see that. Precisely. It was always going to be anyone else but her. Yeah. So. So. Um, just like, what do you think overall? Like, once um, Sue Ellen has been working at the, um, I forgot, that. what's the name of the place? The, I know it's G. G. Yeah, yeah. And she's there and kind of, you know, She's actually kind of good at her job, but like, what do you just think overall of like how she 
fits in there or whatnot. Okay, so I'm glad you asked that. I've wondered about how she truly fits in. She only ever interacts with several core characters, but she never interacts with any other, like, perceptionist per se, other than Carolyn, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, there has to be other people at a fashion magazine. She goes downstairs to the designing floor. I'm not sure if you, what you call that. Yeah. yeah Where is it? other execs and where are the other employees why is she only talking to essentially five people so is it just like was she able to fake it that well and just no one knew or is she really that good at her job that she had everything organized and she never needed to see people because she worked out workarounds Yeah, that's. I don't know. I might have to watch the movie again to kind of really, kind of look at that. But yeah, you. I mean, yeah, she she does only. Let's see, Rose, Gus, Carolyn, Bruce, and Frank are the only people she she. Yeah, she interacts. Well, and, well, and Kathy too. Well, yeah. Kathy. But. Like, Pretty much just doing her homework for her. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. She's doing the homework and she turns it in like, here you go. You know what that. So she's, well, like Rose says, you're delegating. So, what <laughs> <laughs> that. So, I thought it was a great way to explain away her not knowing how to do her job and it's okay. But, like, how much, what did she really learn? Uh, she learned that she had a knack for fashion. Oh yeah, at the end of the day. <laughs> but when I when I look at this, I think of m- not movies, but that real life boy who opened up his own doctor's practice. Oh gosh, and it's just like he he ran for a minute with it, <laughs> and and it worked. And I'm just like, how many other people are out here modern day doing this in real life? Uh, quite a few people since you just allow anybody to get a PPP loan. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people you know scamming people like that. You, they get a loan. Oh, I'm 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 an expert at this. <laughs> what? So, yeah. So just imagine, like if this. Uh, okay, so I was like trying to look at this in a sense of like if they remade this movie like how could that work today uh, it couldn't be like a it couldn't be like a real job it had to be like a startup or it had to be like an app because hmm. now people run stuff so it's like someone's going to key in your information and it's going to be instant versus this could have went down in a filing cabinet hr vets it two or three months from now because it's done manually and then she gets caught eventually if the movie had ran that long of course it doesn't but common day terms it would have to be like a tech base in some way shape or form whether you paid someone to make a fake id for you and i don't know if high school kids even have 
No, I shouldn't say that. I think high school kids definitely have the capacity. It's one of those things where the older you get, the smarter younger kids are. No one, yeah. no one in high school now probably knows what Encyclopedia Britannica was, but it wasn't Google. <laughs> and I never. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they would have to kind of work around certain stuff, or I mean, yeah. I mean, if we were going to go to the um, the sleepaway camp three route. Where you know, you just take somebody complete idea and you pretend to be them. So, are you saying we take a darker route and someone puts the babysitter to begin with? Because I actually like that. It's not going to be a choice at all. I mean, you you could yeah take the take the babysitter's name and you know identification everything like that, and then you kind of get somebody to switch certain key information of yours to them and everything and yeah there you go i mean maybe because my brain leads that leans this way but i think that that's the easier route because if you had a serial killer perhaps kill a babysitter show up the parents are already gone so the kids don't know what the babysitter was supposed to look like and the parents aren't there to fact check that and then slowly the babysitter is murdering the adversity that come in the children's way. So like a coach benched Melissa. So she takes out the coach or the babysitter <laughs> takes out the coach until it culminates the kids finding out whatever. Hey, the agency called. They wanted to talk to Mrs. I forget the babysitter's name, but you get my point. Yeah. And like things just start adding up and people more and more disappeared till the kids have to kill this babysitter. So do we just come up with two separate ideas for the same movie? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there you go. I like both. So, because I mean, one can play like as a dark comedy horror film. The other one plays kind of a little bit more in the same vein of this movie, but I think both would be effective. So. I would love it if someone made either happen. Yeah. I, I wonder why this movie's never... I don't remember a reunion being done. And I know, obviously, some people aren't with us anymore. Yeah. I don't remember, like, on an anniversary, even, like, the 10-year, 20-year of, like, director's cut. I don't own this on DVD. Maybe I should pick that up before I say that. I'm going to put that in the parking lot for now. Yeah, because the movie's what? It's 30 years old now. Yeah. So, At some uh, point, someone had to add a bonus feature. Yeah, get some of them to do the commentary. I mean, get, get Christina Applegate, Danielle Harris, Keith Coogan together. You know... Let them sit down, do a do a commentary track, do some, you know, do something. Cause, but it, it's crazy, like how movies like this from back at that time they do just kind of get lost in the shuffle over the years. Like they just get kind of forgotten about, unless you're someone who actually liked these particular movies and everything. But you don't 
get too many people talking about like this movie or you know certain movies from a certain time period they just kind of get lost in time so i agree and i'm sure there wasn't a lot of money thrown at this and if it did go to theaters probably wasn't very successful because the themes of this film just weren't cool back in the day for a conservative america who maybe around this time was just deciding that because African-Americans use bad words in music that we need parental advisory stickers. So five kids killing a grandbait or grandmother babysitter and getting away with it was probably not appealing to them either. Well, it, it, okay, so this is what's funny. It actually made money. The budget was 10 million. It made 25. What? Yeah. Why do we never <laughs> Well, because even though it made money, it received negative reviews. The critics didn't like it. And plus, you know, that was during the time where you weren't getting sequels to movies like how we get sequels now. You know? people forget like sequels were a rarity back then like so and I think I think the reason why the movie made money is because Christina Applegate she was Kelly Bundy so fans of the show they flocked to the theater to see it but the critics hated it and and I think too the fact that the title of the movie doesn't Fit with the movie we get after what maybe 30 minutes <laughs> so it's like okay it's called don't tell mom the babysitter's dead okay but they only talk to mom on the phone like twice and the babysitter is, is becomes a non-factor that storyline becomes a non-factor you actually forget about it until the very end of the movie so, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that is a, um, whoever did the titling really didn't think that out. But, I mean, that, I guess that still falls in with whatever the original concept of the, of the movie was supposed to be. You know, they're the suspects in this woman's death. So, but don't tell mom, the babysitter's dead. So. Yeah. So, anyway, let's see. Let's see. Um, so, yes, Sue Ellen, she becomes like a, I guess, like a superstar prodigy or whatnot of Rose and everything and, and everything. Frank likes her. Gus, he's trying to weasel his way into her pants, basically. Carolyn, you know, was just trying to get dirt on her. So basically, like, kind of like a regular job, you know, or whatnot. Some people didn't yeah. like it. Some people don't like it at work type of deal um, and everything. But she's, but Suellen, she's trying to balance that, balance her home life and this relationship that she's formed now with Brian. So she she's trying to juggle a lot. And she even says it like towards the end of the movie, like, 
you know, it was too much. It had got to the point where it was too much for her. She was trying to juggle all this stuff, plus keep up this lie <laughs> that she has going um, and everything. But it, things do kind of take a turn after Walter, who's Mr. Couch Potato, um, steals the uh, the money out of her purse. <laughs> it was like a couple, of, what, a couple of thousand dollars that he steals when yeah. when she's talking to all of them at the table because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So this is like the point where she's actually feeling like I know what mom feels like now. <laughs> that's, that's the way she's looking. So while she's talking to him, he just casually gets up, goes into her purse. Everyone sees this except of her, of course, because her back is to him, and he decides to go buy a whole home entertainment system but because the antenna is isn't right he goes and tries to get uh kenny to help but because kenny is with his friends you know or we're not having a a meeting as kenny says walter decides to go up on the roof and try to fix the antenna himself and that doesn't go right because he is up falling off the roof and he breaks his leg i'm surprised that's the only thing he broke the another added bonus of high definition television is what most people didn't see in the nineties that you see now is <laughs> Walter grew that. about a foot and turned into <laughs> a twenty year old clean shaven man. Yes, <laughs> you you see it clear as day. Like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't. I, well, I guess maybe Jurassic Park learned from this movie, you know, by superimposing. The child's face on the stunt person's face. What was that? Then, or make it so like his face just never cut that clip. Yeah. Because like yeah, he definitely like almost looks at the camera while he's going. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just just cut it before he actually turns and then just show him down on the ground later. That's yeah. what he had to do. But yeah, I yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, what? It's like, what the heck? But yeah, I mean, the, a lot of the editors back at that time, they weren't the greatest. So, you know, but um, yeah, so Walter breaks his leg. Um, Sue Ellen gets the phone call um, about it. Granted, this is when things is kind of blowing up for her at work because the whole thing with Gus is kind of coming to a head. Also, Carolyn is, you know, she feels she has the dirt on her that will get her fired. But it's like even they kind of all stop when she gets that phone call about Walter because, you know, Walter is, quote unquote, her son. And they didn't know that she had any kids. And, and she says, oh, she was, you no, know, she's divorced. She doesn't talk about it. So she rushes to the hospital to see about Walter. And we get another one of those scenes where her and Kenny, you know, kind of going back and forth or whatnot. And. And the doctor even kind of looks like he's your son too. It's like, no, it's my stepson. <laughs> what? Well, it's okay. like, oh, so well. <laughs> That's why we fight like this. We don't get we don't get along so well. It's like what? So, but I feel like this is where the movie kind of takes a little bit of a turn because, yeah, at this point, things is kind of getting out of control. Her. Uh, Sue Ellen and Brian's relationship is not great because he wants to know what she does for a living and everything. 
Well, no, not what she do for a living, but what she do all day. And she mm-hmm. won't tell him. He, of course, like a typical guy, starts thinking, is there another guy involved? <laughs> you know, just tell me there's another guy or whatnot. And I kind of thought that it was going to lead to him thinking that maybe she was a, a stripper or something like that because the fact that she doesn't want him to know what she does, but she has nice clothes and you know, and everything like this, and it's like that's, I don't know, maybe that's just where my mind went or whatnot, but it never comes up. He doesn't pressure her that much, but it's, it's funny. She knows that he's Carolyn's brother, but he has no idea who she is at work. You know, the woman who stole her his sister's um, job, in a sense. But just what do you think about their like the Brian and Sue Ellen relationship, though? It's hard to. I had nowhere with all Keep Coogan at the time being older than her, but to be eventually a fifteen-year-old, I don't think I would have gravitated to. Even though he doesn't do it in the best way, and when his brother falls off the roof is kind of the turning point. I don't think that, like, I would have learned to cook on my own. I would start learning how to take care of a house on my own and then feel a bitterness towards my sister or some type of way for putting a roof over our head and (laughs) providing the cleaning supplies, the food, and things of that nature. So the dynamic to me is always strange just because I know it was decided over the flip of a Mama Celeste pizza box, which I'm not even sure if they're still in business anymore. So that box was a real throwback when I saw it, because I remember it from my childhood. <laughs> but for the character, for example, his character grew. Hers did not. She just committed to a lie until she couldn't do it anymore. She's still the same bratty teenager, essentially. But he grew up right before our very eyes. Yeah. So it's interesting that I'm, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Well, from from what you said, what if the original story did revolve around him? Well, yeah. And I, I guess I do know that now. I did not know that before COVID. But yeah. And I, you kind of said it before, like it's it. They definitely left parts of one script into another script, and didn't round it out. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, yeah, he grows up before eyes. He takes off the wig, <laughs> <laughs> right? He takes off the wig. You know, he, even. Even um, Sue Ellen's um, one of uh, Nicole, one of her friends, who he was trying, you know, I guess he always likes because when he first sees her at the very beginning, she just turns on the windshield wipers like, get off of my car type of thing. But when she sees him, you know, dressed up and everything and she looks at like Kenny, he's like, hey, she's like, OK, kind of smile. Yeah, like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, at he's growing up now, but I'm like. How old are you? Because if 
if, if, if Sue Ellen is 17 and all her friends are supposed to be 17, 18-ish, he's 15, like, yeah, yeah I know. Well, graduate, now that I think about it. Yeah, like, see, it, it, but it's, it's another one of those things where, like, he's younger than her. Like, she's graduate. she's gonna graduate from high school, he will still be in high school type of situation. It's like, mm-hmm. It's like okay, we're we're not supposed to focus on that, I guess. But but yeah, I, I don't know. I just didn't yeah. <laughs> yeah, handle the adult themes in this. Like this was surely not party of five material yet, but may have been the prototype. <laughs> yeah, right. Take that horrible movie. Well, not horrible, but let's take that movie and make it better. Yeah, that's yeah. how we get party of five. Yeah. So it's, instead of instead of it being the babysitter, it's the parents. So now that we're saying this out loud, I would not be surprised at all as to that's somehow the framework for it. Okay, when when did Party of Five start? When did it start? Ninety six or ninety five? Hmm. And this because this is ninety one. Party of Five is ninety four. Oh, so not that far after. I was way off. Oh, yeah, because Nev did Scream after Party 5, and that's why they went with her, because she was semi-popular. So She also had the craft under her belt. Yep. And Wild Things comes... That's a... (laughs) That's a movie I've I've been kind of debating about whether I want to review at some point to Wild Things. <laughs> that's what that is. I mean, it lives up to its name. It is a wild movie. Um, but I just learned that there was a fourth film this year. Good lord! <laughs> we couldn't get a sequel to this, but we got a sequ- We got three sequels to Wild Things. Yes. Oh my god! Uh, I don't know. I might have to. I might have to because I've never watched the sequels. I, I stick with the original, but I've never watched any of the sequels. I saw the second one, and that was enough. <sighs> oh boy! I mean, that's like <laughs> Cruel Intentions too. So, uh. oh, with Amy Adams, yeah. That was originally supposed to be a a TV series, but they end up turning into the movie. So. I'm I want to see the TV series version. I forgot exactly why they said it didn't be you know because what we got of the movie it was supposed to be like the pilot and everything, but they kind of flipped some stuff around when they realized okay, it's just going to be a movie. But yeah, that was originally supposed to be a TV series. So now, see, that has me thinking: if they had restraints in the movie, then it could have been a better film. <laughs> Probably so. But it's just a thought. <laughs> but but this but back to this movie. Um, yeah, things start to like really go off the rails. It's funny. Things are going off the rails, but at the same time, things are actually going good for Sue Ellen at work. 
because even though the company is almost about to go out of business because Rose's bright idea of school uniforms, you know, a clothing line gets, you know, get shot down because the kids find out about it and they protest and so they decide not to go with it and she was banking on this and this i guess was supposed to be like a huge account that's going to set the company for life but the fact that it didn't it basically was like okay the, the company is going to go out of business now it's like that one account <laughs> was going to make or break the company it's like well i thought this company was kind of like halfway you know decent it wasn't nowhere near like we're on the brink of shutting down but it's a strange facade right because at no point are they acting like they're struggling or that they needed to make this deal happen and then everything comes crumbling down for rose including her candy jar where she, yeah she picks up i don't know three percent of them and just starts eating them yeah <laughs> what are you doing I don't think I understood stress eating back in the day, but it still didn't make sense as an adult. <laughs> but that, it goes like a lot of this movie, especially towards the tail end, now that we're kind of dissecting it and everything, a lot of it feel like it was pieced together. It makes me wonder like, how much of this they were doing on the fly. Like, were they rewriting the script as they were going on? Maybe. That could be a thing, because, you know, I thought about it. The first time that crossed my mind a while ago, not today or this week, but uh, when she, Sue Ellen's looking for Kathy and she goes to the office and the receptionist says, I don't know, or not the receptionist, the temp says, I don't know, I'm just a temp. And they're like looking at each other. However, it jump cuts to Sue Ellen closing the door and the temp is doing her work. Like, so why did she stop looking at her like that and go back to doing her work? Or was it a longer scene and they cut down whatever was exchanged? I'm assuming it's the latter now. Yeah, because I, I could have swore I heard it was, uh, the temp even like... She she has a line of dialogue as she's closing the door. And it's like, hey, what was that? Like, that just didn't make sense. And like, no one knew that Kathy was out sick. <laughs> like precisely. <laughs> like wait a minute. And 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 the temp no and this temp is just just randomly there. Like, okay. And knows what to do. <laughs> with the right. <laughs> right. It's like what, what the heck? Looking like she's uh, on her way to a salt and pepper concert. Oh my god. <laughs> she did. Oh <laughs> uh, Who's your favorite rapper? Yo-Yo? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay. Well, I'm messing with this movie. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so I just thought that was weird, like how that one account was going to make or break Rose's company like that. So Frank, of course, he's distraught when he finds out the news. And Rose, she doesn't even have the courage to do it. She tells Sue Ellen to go and and tell Frank because um 
they have such a great relationship. Frank, he, he appreciated more coming from her. I was like, what? Like, he, man's going to be getting, he's going to lose his job. It doesn't matter who tells him. He's going to be out of work. But so uh, Sue Ellen, she basically decides that, you know what? I know something about fashion. I'm going to start designing some stuff. How hard can that be? And she does. She comes up with her own designs and everything or whatnot. And Rose, of course, loves it. And I guess like the big wigs, they love it or whatnot. The people from New York. So they decide that they're going to have this fashion show or whatnot to, as a presentation. Um, but instead of doing it at a ball, so I was like, well, why don't we just have it at my house? I got enough room. You know, <laughs> you know everything. So this is where she gets the kids because she finds out that Walter had stole the money from her and bought the um home entertainment center because the petty cash that she was just supposed to use and sign off receipts for, he's he takes all of the money. So she has no money. And whatnot. So they basically have to agree that they're going to be a part of the whole presentation fashion show and everything. And then that's where we get where Kenny, you know, he takes off the wig and cleans himself up um, and everything. And we get the whole presentation. Uh, Gray, what did you think about this whole presentation scene? I didn't understand how they went from children's uniforms to we're going to put a splash of the 80s into service workers uniforms like the boy scouts well they're not workers but then there was a nurse there was a cook i forget was there one more because the last girl she was just like thank you thank you you're done uh wasn't i think one of the girls was a supposed to be a cheerleader okay maybe that's what i'm forgetting yeah. And I was just like, okay, I guess spread it out, but it wasn't suspension of disbelief. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Because I wasn't really sure at what they were marketing at this point. Hey, we're just going to put pastels onto classic uniforms or what? Or even the fact that you have a girl in a Boy Scout uniform instead of just giving her a brownies uniform. Like, I, I just didn't. Continuity is a little off there. Yeah. I think overall the theme of like kids pulling off a high level event was great. I enjoy that. You know, a high schooler doing an ice sculpture in the backyard is completely unbelievable. It's going to melt. They don't have any refrigeration in the house to keep that frozen. So, like, things like that. But, you know, this technically counts as maybe. One of the last montages you get as a staple in a film from that era. Which I enjoy. People just don't do montages anymore. Yeah, that's a a loss. I want to say a loss art in in movies. (laughs) And and if you do see it, it's like, oh, look, a montage. But I would prefer that sometimes because you get like two or three scenes that are like 10 minutes too long and you're just like, why are these in the movie? And it's like, well, we needed to make sure the audience understood yada yada. Well, a montage would have done that. 
made a two-minute montage, and it would have been fine. <laughs> a two-minute montage over a ten-minute scene that just takes too long. Hmm, I take the montage. Yeah. But that being said, the pacing of this film didn't bother me at all. Uh, so it was good all the way around. Yeah, I mean, because it, it's it's only an hour and forty two minutes, but it 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 moves, and I mean that's a good thing. Um, so the the presentation goes on. Um, Carolyn she tells Rose about. Uh, Sue Ellen's only being 17. Rose doesn't care. Uh, Gus is found out of basically hitting on Sue Ellen. And Sue Ellen tells Rose, once again, Rose doesn't care. <laughs> it's like she just doesn't care. She never gets overtly angry about anything, which is which is weird. Um, but as um, Sue Ellen's up giving her speech and everything, and this actually kind of pissed me off because I actually kind of even started talking to the TV at this point. So this is how I knew I was kind of upset because Brian shows up in this damn corn dog truck <laughs> over the PA. He's driving up and he's talking to Sue Ellen. And it's like, you do realize that there's a party or whatever is going on you just driving up talking on this damn radio as if anybody can really hear what you're saying that was i i ah it's it's hard to watch that part because it's like is he really that clueless and daft that he was like ignoring that there's clearly an event going on and you're aware that she is a child or you know your age so you're not even like I'm rolling up on her mother's house, blaring the like. Why is the music playing? <laughs> right. That isn't like by accident. And then you're going to use the PA system. Clearly, he's never seen see, say anything. No, John no. Cusack knew how to do it. Yeah, I mean, just get some Peter Gabriel, and you're good to go. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he rolled, he's rolling up in, in the corn dog truck. The mom has just mysteriously reappeared and everything. So Kenny is trying to, you know, warn her and everything or whatnot. And then that's when everything gets blowed up and she confesses that, you know, she's actually not who she says she has been and everything like that. Um, just like okay, what do you think about like how the movie ends, really, with everything kind of getting wrapped up? I think everything's kind of clean except for I wanted the what's his name? I keep forgetting his name because he's the least interesting kid. Zach. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see Zach get rounded. Or not rounded, but like wrapped up in like a better package. Like he didn't learn anything. He well, diamond. There's okay. a reason for that. <laughs> so during this time, uh, good old Christopher was really uh, on his Charlie Sheen tip 
and he was oh. full on in addiction. So uh, a lot of his scenes were cut. I did not know this at the time. I remember when he died, I was in college and looking up that part, I was like, oh, he was he is a drug addict? Yeah. And then I was like, he was young. Yep. He definitely wasn't Barrymore material. But <laughs> I I didn't think about it in terms of how this affected this film. Or that what? What is he like? Twelve in this movie? Uh, more like I want to say fourteen, fifteen, something like that. But I mean, because when he died, he was twenty-four. It's interesting that they would choose to cast him or not recast him once his drug use became apparent. Well, okay, so he he was something of a child he was looked at as like being the he was probably like the next big thing as far as like child stars or whatnot because older and i yeah he he does this and uh point break in the same year i mean his, his role in point break is a lot smaller of course than it is here but he was supposed to be like one of the next big things or whatnot. So I think that's one reason why they kept him in because he was a like a known commodity. Because I think he was he was a surfer, I think. Okay. He was like, yeah, he was like a child surfer. So you know, think okay, think in the terms of uh, Lords of Dogtown. I don't know if you if you've seen the movie or whatnot, yeah. but like how. He, I want to say, was supposed to be like what Johnny Peralta was. That, really? Yeah. So he was supposed to be like this, like this next top, like star type, and everything. So just unfortunate that he got hooked on drugs. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's definitely unfortunate. And then we got Edward Furlong. Yeah, we did get him for a few years. And I mean Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna make a, a bad joke, but <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not. So because I, I I think back to the whole group chat thing of his cameo thing. I was like this is where this is where it is for him now. So Yeah, but it it, it was okay. What's crazy about it? You can actually tell that Christopher had a drug problem because if you look at him in this, and you look at him in Point Break, and you look at him in Point Break, he he does look like doesn't look healthy. Mm -hmm. And like I say, this movie, these two movies came out in the same year, so. I would have I would have to assume that he filmed this first and his drug addiction really took a hold of him. That's why in point break he kinda looks kinda gangly yeah. and like he does. And 
Yeah. Because it, it, it is sad. Especially when I, when I found it, I was like, what? What the heck? But. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of those um, the sad stories of Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, then. But, then, yes, to answer your question, <laughs> given that tidbit. I think that I like the way it's wrapped up. I like that they don't really, I mean, hey, what happened to the babysitters? I almost treat it like a joke because it's like, are we really going to delve into this right now? But <laughs> we whistle through so much other stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't go unnoticed. Like, it's a call out to it. And I guess that's the best way it could happen. I didn't care for, like, the two guys in the graveyard bit like even as a kid I was like no we robbed her <laughs> but the other guy's like oh it was so nice to leave this money I don't know maybe they were teeing that up for a spinoff of like what they did with the body and you know what they did with the money maybe that was going to be a thing and they just executed that poorly I don't know well, I mean, if you go by the dialogue, apparently they they went to Las Vegas <laughs> with the money. Because he asked yeah, like, it got the situation. <laughs> you, you got more than money left? Like, what? Oh, man. But, I mean, oh, Sue Ellen, she, she gets a job out of... Basically, she, her future is kind of set because it's not about what you know it's who you know and she saves Rose company so Rose is pretty much gonna you know do whatever she can to make sure she goes off to college and you know and everything like that so she's pretty much set I would assume yeah. after this I mean, um, gotta pass her <laughs> yeah right so K- Kenny you know he decides like you know what you know, I, I've 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 grown over this summer. You know, I'm I think I'm gonna go back to school. You know, go to class actually, or whatnot. Graduate. You know, maybe go to culinary school. You know, and everything like that. So yeah, he, I would yeah I would say of all the characters, he probably had the best story arc of everybody. Yeah, he has like a full arc in the background. <laughs> yeah. So. Which I thought was interesting, but like I say, after what you said about you know his character probably was supposed to be the main focus, that it almost kind of makes sense now. So, but um, but yeah, we get that final tidbit with the dudes at the mortuary, at the cemetery, because if you didn't know, yes, the babysitter they actually buries her, and. <sighs> I don't know if they would have allowed these guys to actually put this <laughs> this headstone. Old lady died. No, no type of year or anything, and died natural causes. I highly doubt they would have been allowed to, <laughs> to put it as a headstone. Also, who paid for that? Headstones cost like five ten grand. She didn't have that much money on her person. 
<laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we we just don't know. They leave that. There's certain stuff that's kind of left unanswered. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, but that's pretty much the movie. Um, once again, great choice because I enjoyed it. I know we kind of nitpicked a few things here, but. I did enjoy watching this movie. So once again, thank you, Gray, for suggesting this movie. Um, so, bef- so before we actually get out of here, uh, if you had to rate the movie out of five, what would you give it? I would give it a three and a half. Uh, it's not perfect, but it does have a high rewatchable value, especially for a 90s film. I think 90s films are definitely either you like it or you didn't like it, and that's it. There's no, I'm going to revisit this in a couple of years to see how I feel about it. Or at least for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. There, there's actually quite a few movies that's like that, and most of them are from the 90s. <laughs> that I feel like that about. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll probably, I'll probably give it the same. I'll give the same rating. Um, a favorite character, if you got one. Uh, Rose. I I don't know if I mentioned this off air or not, but like I quote Rose lines for the last twenty some odd years, my whole life. <laughs> and people were like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Guess you've never seen this." But I, I in real life quote Rose all the time. Okay. And if I'm running out of Rose lines, I will always refer to uh I'm right on top of that Rose. <laughs> like if my <laughs> boss is talking to me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna start saying that at work. Yeah, I'm right on top of that. Um and that line right there is a surefire way to suss out fans. <laughs> and if you say that, you'll either know if you've seen the movie or not. <sighs> Yeah. So I'm trying to think. For me, I will probably go with you know, I'll probably go with Kenny. Uh yeah. Yeah, because it's just funny, like this this dude, when you first see him, it's like, okay, this kid is clearly a reject. You know, he's just a burnout or whatnot. But some way, somehow through the course of watching Julia Childs cooking, and he learns how to cook, and he cleans himself up. I mean, can't get a better story than that. But it makes me kind of angry, because what mother lets their 14, 15-year-old child drop out of high school and become a stoner in her house? Well, I mean, the mother, she... If you notice, she... Is almost like, yeah, these kids don't really need me. They got, they got Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen is actually a better mother than me. I mean, she really is. <laughs> but she even says it before she leaves. Like, you know, mom, everything's gonna be fine once you're gone. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was. The house looked better. You know, and everything. Kitty. Cleaned itself up. The kids all, you know, doing better for themselves. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They just needed to be put in their place, and by their sister. <laughs> and, and and Melissa even refers to Sue Ellen as mom. 
in yeah. front of him. <laughs> it's like, what? The mom just looking good. And then Suella even says, Mom, just go to your room. And the mom looks at Zeus like, huh? And, and Suella kind of gives her that mother look like, what did I just say? <laughs> and the yeah. mom, she just, she just goes. It's like, what? Like, what is happening here? Who, who's the real mother of this family? So. Speaking of which, do we ever... Does anyone ever address the mother other than just mom? No. It's it, it's 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 kind of similar to because um, uh, last episode uh, when I did the Sandlot with Chris and we we talk about the fact that Karen Allen she plays the mom in that but we never get her actual name. Dennis Leary is re- referred to as Bill. That's his name, but. The mom is never name is never said. Bill never says her name, and, and they're married, so it's just like this. The mom is just mom, so it's like hmm. that is actually yeah. I guess there's a thin thread of identity theft in here, right? Because at some point, Christina Bogey's character becomes Mrs. Randall. And I don't even know if their mother goes by her maiden name or married name because we never even get the father situation. And I wonder why they chose to make them divorce instead of just two parents going out of town. Yeah. I... Like, there's there's something missing there. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think the dad would have allowed his 15-year-old son just to drop out of high school. Right, or why would their dad not come babysit them? Right? Well, he was too busy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess if he had five with her and got divorced at some point, he probably didn't stop making kids. Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing that backstory out there. See, there's, there's at least like three subplots that we never get any type of, <laughs> you know, not even closure, just even any anything that makes any sense. Like, what? Yeah, see, I need, I need that, like, I need that backstory. If someone's going to remake this, I need that backstory. Mom and dad are getting in a tumultuous fight. Dad has a stroke, passes away. Mom buries him. Then she figures out she needs an eat, pray, love moment. Goes to India for the summer, leaves the kids alone. That's Damn, there you go. But <laughs> you know, maybe a montage with some of all. <laughs> <laughs> a montage with some of all. Look, that could be the opening. Open the movie like uh, like that, but in the same tone as um, Up. So, yeah, there you go. So <laughs> the dance. The dance. <laughs> Has a stroke or a heart attack and just dies. So, he, he has a heart attack and dies at 37. So, yeah. Which is actually not too far fetched because that's what happened to Jeffrey Dean Morgan character in Weeds. <laughs> he was like 30 something and he just oh, was true. jogging and he died. So, <laughs> so it's not too far fetched, actually. I like to imagine it was a generational uh, romance. Maybe she's 37, he's 60. 
and uh, didn't handle his midlife crisis well. So he met her when he was in his 40s? (laughs) Yes, if that's the math, I'm just really (laughs) stupid. That could that could possibly be it too. Like how how old was the dad? Yeah. Well, I mean a forty year old dating a twenty year old in the seventies or eighties, I guess isn't that frowned upon or wasn't? Because okay, how old is Gus supposed to be? You wanna say in his forties? Probably in his forties, yeah. And then Suellen is pretending to be in her late twenties. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I guess in this case the math is mathing. So, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, is there any anything else from the movie that we might have missed that you want to talk about before we get out of here? I don't think so. I mean, there isn't a there's. Yeah, there isn't a lot more. It's some continuity things which we obviously notice. However, as it the movie's good as it is, I think we got to everything. Okay, so a few um, trivia things, and then we can wrap this up. So, Let's hear- I, all right. So, um, oh shoot, wrong one. Damn it, not that movie. This movie. I don't know why I was still on Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, okay, so the original script was written with Renona Ryder in mind for the role of Sue Ellen Crandall, but she turned it down instead because she was working on, I don't know, a little movie called Edward Scissorhands. Oh, well, then I'm happy for this. Um, Justine Bateman was later cast as Sue Ellen. But she left the project, and then Christina Applegate, she was cast because Ed O'Neill, who was friends with the producer, gave her the script. So that's how Christina Applegate ended up huh. in this movie. So she wasn't even a on the radar. Nope. So... Going back to what you said, Keith Coogan said, I think it might carry some weight. Because if Ed O'Neill is the friend of the producer, hey, you know, my TV daughter, Christine, she's very good. You know, maybe she should be the lead of this movie. Yeah. I I can see that could be easily influenced by him as well as carried out. So, it'll need to have some pool. All right, let's see. Um, well, I, I kind of mentioned the one about Christopher. About production was nearly stopped towards the end of shooting due to his drug addiction, which was starting to get out of control. The producers cut a few of his scenes to keep the film on schedule. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That is just like. I don't know. I guess if I ever got one of them alone at a convention, I, I just want to know, like, respectfully, how crazy did it get? <laughs> Trying to get him to shoot a scene correctly. Was he nodding off doing a scene? Like, 
<laughs> yeah, how bad was it? Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was originally cast as Melissa. She was forced to drop the role because the producer of Kids Incorporated would not let her out of her contract. That's one I remember Kids Incorporated. But that is interesting that it would keep her from doing a movie. Like, I don't know. I've heard Disney contracts are a beast. I guess mm. they everything. Yeah. So, uh, you like this one. Um... Two pictures of kids on Sue Ellen's desk at work. One picture is of Melissa. The same picture used in Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. Oh, now I gotta go back and look. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, da, da, da. Now this I didn't know. Keith Coogan is, is the grandson of Jackie Coogan who was the original Uncle Fester on the Adam family. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I would say Keith Coogan's hairline almost matches it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, let's see. Let's see here. Uh, John Landis was the first choice to direct this film, but he turned it down as the story didn't interest him. John Hughes also was asked to direct, but he turned it down because he only directed scripts that he wrote himself. Yep. Hughes was also trying to distance himself away from working on teen movies. So Joe Dante, Richard Donner, Amy Hecklin, Chris Columbus, John Badham, and Joe Schumacher also turned down as well. It's a wow. miracle they found someone. <laughs> That was like everyone that was somebody. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, let's see. Um, let's see, what's another one? Let's see. Uh, let's see. In 2020, Danielle Harris said this is the only movie she's made that she'll actually watch if it's on TV. I believe. I was on the IG live when she said that. <laughs> but I can see that. I mean, I don't see her sitting down watching uh, Last Boy Scout. So. No. I, I did watch that. Last Boy Scout because of this film. Like, I was definitely a serial. I'm going to watch it if there was a good movie. Not even judging their acting capabilities. If I just associated a good movie with a certain actor, I would watch films with them in it. What was crazy about it? Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans literally hated each other on their movie. <laughs> I have heard routinely that mm. no one that's ever co-starred, male co-starred with Bruce Willis has ever walked away with a good impression. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I would love to know what Samuel Jackson has to say. say about it. I, I would love that. So, yeah, I mean, I would actually, at some point, nerd out on this and just see if Bruce Willis ever repeats roles with actors. Because, you know, you have some people where they're like, they'll do a movie together. Prime example, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore. Yep. They, they enjoy doing romantic comedies together. 
but I can't think of like Bruce Willis and blah 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 do these movies together. Like I know he had the Red sequels, but that's probably contractual. The Extendables contractual, but like something that's yeah, but not. He got he got booted off of uh, the third one. Yep. So. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't want to show up, you know, for for just a few days of work. So I was like, All right, fine. We gotta, we gotta be here. <laughs> we get somebody else. Yeah, I mean, that's the sad, great part about that franchise. Like, that's the point. Because <laughs> I, I believe that's how I think that's how Harrison Ford ended up. Because Harrison, yeah, Harrison Ford character was his replacement in the movie, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of Edward Furlong, he was considered for the role of Kenny, but he was unavailable due to him working on Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which makes a little sense as Kenny is 16 and Furlong looked 12. Yeah. yeah. That would have been a better fit, but I'm glad he did not skip T2. Plus, did, did you really want him hanging around Christopher at that time? No. Probably not. Um, but also, I don't know if people are like, I'm not going to do a James Cameron film. At least not at that time. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. Or yeah, I mean, yeah, at that time. I don't know if people are clamoring to do, I forget what it's even called now, The Blue People. Avatar. R16. <laughs> Shot <Well>, from space. <laughs> My understanding is he filmed those movies back to back and then he just releasing them. Yeah. Now, I will give him some credit because when he does these things, he invents new technology in in order to capture it. So I get some of that is you have to wait for technology to catch up to your vision. But, I mean, we have George Lucas' thing for Dolby Sound. And modern 3D glasses we can attribute to, or 3D film, not necessarily glasses, to James Cameron. I know he invented some special underwater camera for this movie. But I have lost all interest in watching them. I remember when the first when the first one came out, I, I really didn't care. I mean, I'm like, I seen this move, movie already. It's called Fern Gully. <laughs> so <laughs> No, I was like, I've seen this before. So I, I really didn't care. And then I actually, I don't know how the hell this happened, but I actually ended up buying it. And I, I watched it and I was like, yeah, it is what it is. And then when I heard that, I was like, what? He's making how many sequels? And he's doing what? He's filming them all back to back? Like, what? Like, did, did people really say, hey, we want more of this? Because I don't remember people being like, we want more of this. Yeah, I don't know what that core fan group is like, because it isn't me. I'm not saying I need another epic two, three hour film. Period. I don't know how he talks the actors to coming back in, that like their pay must be phenomenal. Or something. Mm-hmm. But, but. Yeah, they they film those movies and then they 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 can't really talk. 
<laughs> I'm like, what? Okay. Well, yeah, and then what does the press junket look like for that later? Because do you even remember the movie? Or does like someone has to show it to you before you you tour around and do interviews for it? I'm I'm pretty sure they probably have to hey, hey, um you gotta watch the movie again so you can talk about it. With that. Yeah, because if you know you have three sequels done, like, do you even shoot them like three different movies, or do you just shoot them? I, from what I understood is that he just said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna start. We're gonna just shoot everything, and then yeah. there's gonna be three sequels." <laughs> so they just shoot. They just shoot the movies. But I don't know. But that's. But it's like this movie that Robert Rodriguez he directed a movie with John Malkovich. Yeah. Yeah, and no one alive now will ever see it. That is the first time I was ever sad about dying in my life. Not that I think it's going to be a great film, but the fact that there are filmmakers now that are contributing to the future already. I think Pharrell did something with it too. See, that's some Tenet type. See, that's why you gotta watch Tenet. Um, <laughs> but also, too, is like, well, going back to what we talked about, um, if we make it to 2050, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> now I have a goal line. <laughs> Just My make- won't work in the morning. <laughs> Just gotta survive for another twenty seven years. Yeah. Which is ironic because let's see, twenty seven years I'll be sixty three. Good lord. Huh. All right. Um before I go down that rabbit hole, um Gray, uh thanks again for joining me for this episode. Um just let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gray himself. That's G-R-A-E himself. I also have season two of Gray Matter coming this summer, every other Monday, hopefully starting the first week of July. All right. Um, of course, as for me, you can find me on the Twitter at uh, the J Giles, as well as my um, movie Twitter, J Movie Talk. Also on Instagram at JMT Podcast. And of course, you can find all the episodes available part of the TV Zone Podcast Network. Uh, the whole site, of course, is Stitch, um, not Stitcher, Anchor, but pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast at, you can just type in TV Zone Podcast Network and you can find all of the shows that we have there. This podcast, as well as the continuing covers that myself, Gray, and Tamika of doing of them, which we will be wrapping up here soon, which I'm actually kind of sad about. Um, and everything. Uh, who knows? Maybe I have to find another show to do. Um, something that's a little less black trauma. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, but yeah, uh, pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast at, you just uh, find us like that um, and everything. Uh, great. Any last words? You would think I had something ready, but no, I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. 
Um, so that's it for this episode. I will be back for episode 208, which is actually an episode that I'm kind of squeezing in. It's a somewhat of a secret episode, so you guys will know about it when it actually uploaded. So until next time, peace.